So we're continuing this series called Stand Firm. And we're talking about spiritual warfare. And I've been surprised to hear from so many people how timely this message was in their lives. Maybe you've been going through something and this message has been for you. The good thing is that God knew exactly what you needed when we planned this series. So this is for you. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read that the Apostle Paul is painting this picture of the armor of God that will equip us for battle. And he's drawing on the image of a Roman soldier in his armor. And the people would have been very familiar with what that armor would have looked like. And he kind of ties that into how we have to put on spiritual armor to be ready for battle. So let's check out what it says in chapter 6, starting in verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is awesome. I love this idea of putting on spiritual armor so that we can stand our ground against an enemy who wants to attack us. There really is a devil and he does want to destroy you. But we read in this passage how we can be ready for this battle. And, and I love this series. Uh, to be honest, I love that it's a very masculine series, isn't it? All the guys know what I'm talking about. All this talk about armor and battle and fighting the devil and defeating his attacks, right? This is a manly series. If you're a man, you need to know this one is for you. Your pastor loves you. God loves you. He's got in his word this stuff for you where you read it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready for Eye of the Tiger. I'm ready to pull up. We are the champions because I'm a Christian. Today, I want to talk about the shoes of peace that come from the gospel and the helmet of salvation. Now, men, you might think of this as armor that we wear, but ladies, if you're like my wife, you think of those as accessories, (laughs) shoes and headwear. Ladies know that accessories make the outfit. That's the title of my message this morning, because this is for the ladies. But fellas, listen up. Accessories make the difference between a good outfit and a great outfit, don't they? I love I love shoes. I love shoes, you guys. I think it's because when I was growing up, I was always a chubby kid. But my feet were never chubby. My feet were always in great shape. Never felt like I needed to lose weight in my feet. So shoes were my faithful go-to, right? I love shoes. Um, I got some Air Jordans on this morning. Got Air Jordan on my feet, Air Jesus in my heart. (laughs) Jordan could dunk from the free throw line. Jesus can dunk from wherever he wants. So it's even better. Listen, I love shoes. Shoes make the difference between a good outfit and a great outfit, don't they? If you're ever taking pictures of your friends, okay, this is number one cardinal sin of amateur photography. You never cut your friends off at the shins. You always get the shoes in the outfit. Don't do that if you come from Generation Church, amen? Now you know. Now you know. Shoes are great. You got to take care of your feet. And so this passage talks about putting on 
peace as your shoes that come from the gospel. You have to take care of your feet. I remember when I was in the army, we started training and, and we were on this long uh, ruck march that was meant to build up endurance. And I remember they told us to stop and take off our boots and to change our socks. I was like, change your socks? Like I thought, thought we were tough. Thought we were soldiers, right? I don't care if I have dirty socks. Doesn't matter if these socks are clean, right? This isn't the Air Force. We're supposed to be tough. I love the Air Force. I love the Chair Force. Air Force, Air Force. And uh, see, what I learned is that you need to keep your feet dry or else you can develop blisters, which can become infected. And I've seen the strongest, toughest guys you've ever seen just taken down by something as small as blisters on their feet. During World War I, they saw trench foot be a problem for many people where their feet had problems. We see this in athletics today where the strongest, most, um, st the most skilled athlete could be the MVP of the league, can be sidelined by turf toe. You get a little tiny strain in that small ligament in your foot. It's important to take care of your feet. You can be in great shape. You can be highly trained and strong, but your feet are your foundation. And if your foundation is compromised, nothing else works, does it? So Ephesians 6 tells us, for shoes... Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Okay, I love this. The purpose of, of these shoes of peace is to be fully prepared. Prepared for what? Well, to look good, obviously. But also, proper footwear gives us stability and mobility. In this crazy world, the enemy wants to take us down. And so you need to know this. The gospel of peace gives you stability. Don't lose your footing. How many remember a time when your idea of a great Friday afternoon and evening was to go to the local roller skating rink? Yeah, you're showing your age now. You remember at the roller skating rink, some of the games we would play, we'd play four corners. Remember that game? You like skate to a corner and they call your number and you're out. It's a very simple game. Remember the game we do the limbo, right? How about that? Limbo, like you try to skate under the, the bar, the lower it goes, how low can you go? Not very, that's the answer to that question. Unless you consider falling on your face low and then oh, I got it, I win. And then the best part of going to the skating rink, of course, everyone knows the thing we were all waiting for, the couple skate. Don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. The couple's skate is where it was at. You were waiting for that moment because the girl you had your eyes on, the guy that you had a crush on, you know, he would ride right up to you. Whizz. May I have this skate? And then you go out on the, on the skating rink and you shuffle along like a dork. The disco lights are shining all around you. That romantic music's playing that we all love. Forever young, I want to be forever young. Are you like looking at each other, twirling, maybe falling? And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, really roller skates are pretty much a lose-lose if you're a man. Because you either shuffle along, unstable and uncertain, and that makes you look bad, right? Maybe you even fall in front of your friends, in front of someone you're trying to impress, or you're really good. You're a great skater. You're swish, twirling, and neither one's really a great look, you know? So I'm glad that we're past those days. Now, my pastoral connection 
is that living your life without Jesus is like living in roller skates. It's fun at first, but it gets scary fast. And you'll end up hurt when it's all said and done. We need firm foundation. I hate watching Christians fall. I hate it. And we all know that sometimes we fall, but our God, he lifts us up out of the mud. He sets our feet on the solid rock. And so there's grace and there's forgiveness. But I do not like seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ fall. Because when you fall, it's embarrassing. When you fall, you can be hurt. We don't want to fall. We want to have a firm foundation. We need spiritual stability so that we can withstand the attacks of an enemy who wants to take us down. And so that we can withstand the storms of life which can be so overwhelming. Maybe you know someone who is spiritually unstable. Maybe you, maybe you know this guy where every time something goes wrong in his life, he's questioning, is God even good? Why is he letting this happen to me? He's constantly taking one step forward, three steps back with the Lord. Maybe you know someone like this, a girl. Maybe you have a friend. She allows the culture to influence her more than the word of God. And she can't tell the difference between false teaching and true teaching. It's a spiritual instability. You need stability. Look what it says in Ephesians 4. It says that when we grow up, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Verse 15 says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. We speak the truth in love. We tell people the truth not to beat them over the head with the truth, but because we love them. And it's the truth that sets you free. And so you need to know the truth so that you can be spiritually mature and have a firm foundation. I don't want you to be tossed around by new teaching. You realize there is constantly new teaching in this world. And so you need to know the truth so you can stand firm. There's new teaching going around right now, contrary to 25 plus hundred years worth of, of understanding. There's new teaching in churches and in whole groups of churches that homosexuality is no longer a sin. It's a new teaching. And many people, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good. You need to know the truth. There are clever lies that the enemy tells. They're so clever, they sound like the truth. How many of you have Mormon friends who think they're Christians? You live in a state with the third highest Mormon population. Do you know the difference between what Christianity says and what Mormonism says? If you don't, you just got your homework. You need to go home. You need to do some homework. You need to read. You need to get on YouTube and watch some videos so that when your friends say, oh, I'm a Christian, you can say, no, no, no. You are deceived by a clever lie. You are believing a lie which is wrapped in Christian language. I want to know the truth. I want to be stable so that we can love people into a relationship with Jesus. Maturity brings stability and it keeps you for, from falling for the devil's clever lies. When hard times come, an unstable person will ask, is God even still good? But a stable person knows, no, I know who God is. God is good. He never said I wouldn't go through hard times, but he did say I will be with you in every moment. I will carry you when you can't go on. When we blow it, when we sin, because we all sin, nobody here pretends that they're perfect. An unstable person is rocked by that. And they'll ask, does God even still love me? But a stable person knows I am at peace with God through Jesus Christ. The gospel brings peace, church. It keeps you emotionally stable, even in tough situations. I remember when I was 14, 
I went to a drive-in movie theater for a special double feature. If you grew up in Arizona, you don't really know what drive-in theaters are because we don't do that here. It's too hot. But this drive-in movie theater was fun. Went with my friends. It was quite a while ago. The movies featured that night were Titanic and Twister. Does that take you back? Right? So both movies were very interesting and very epic. Of course, Titanic was epic. Also had a very controversial scene, considering it was PG-13. Don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. And then Twister was a very exciting movie. You know, tornadoes coming. And, and here, here I was in a drive-in movie theater in Kansas where tornadoes are a thing. And in the movie, a tornado comes ripping through a drive-in movie theater. So I look back on that moment, I think Titanic was enlightening and Twister was frightening, right? Overall, it was a great experience. I think about tornadoes, and you know that if you've seen a movie like that, tornadoes, there's an eye in the storm. If you were watching recent hurricane coverage, you know there's an eye to even the fiercest storms, where in the middle of the storm, there's a place of relative calm and peace and quiet. And I want you to understand that when you fit your feet with the peace of the gospel, even when a storm is raging around you, you can say, hey, I'm living in peace. I'm living in peace. I see these crazy events happening all around me, but I'm good because I know who's in control, right? As Christians, you can stay calm in situations that would send other people running for cover, right? On a team, on a football team, in a military team, in any place, right? You look for leaders to stay calm during crazy circumstances. You look to your leader to keep calm when life gets crazy. And we want the world to be able to look at you and see, oh, how are you so calm? Why do you have this, this calm? How can, you, how can you be like this? Well, we know what Jesus said in John 14. He said, peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. He went on to say, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The kind of peace that Jesus was talking about, he would have used the Hebrew word shalom. And we talk about peace and we think about, you know, man uh, being at peace with each other, not fighting. But the word shalom in Hebrew had a much more complex and nuanced meaning than the word peace that we use today. So when Jesus talked about peace, it was not just the absence of conflict, but it was also to be complete and content, to have a sound mind and body, to be safe and prosperous, to be healthy and have friendship. And this peace that God gives us is so much greater than any peace we would ever receive from the world. This peace that comes from Jesus, it's not contingent on your circumstances, is it? Right, you can be in the middle of a situation and when you have the peace of God in your life, you say, I mean, I'm not just surviving this storm, but I'm thriving in the midst of this storm because God is with me so I'm whole and my, my mind is sound and I have friends and I'm thinking about the goodness of God and you're gonna blow people's minds when you have this kind of peace. They'll be asking you, how are you at peace like this? We got North Korea out there doing its thing. There are riots happening happening in cities. The president is tweeting. Pray for the president, please. In Jesus name, regardless of your politics, pray for the president. And then you got the Cardinals losing David Johnson. It's like, how do you got peace right now? And you're going to say, cause I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I know who is in control. 
He said in Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. You need to remember this. He went on to say, God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers in the field. And Jesus said this, God loves you more than the birds. No offense to the PETA people and all you animal rights people. There's no offense. We love you still. But God loves people more than the birds. And so God will take care of you. That means you have a foundation of peace that comes from this good news that you're not facing life on your own anymore, that you have a good father in heaven who will provide for you. He cares for you. He is present in your life at every step. He's watching over you, even when you don't know where you're going. I remember Jesus, remember he told us in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That means that one day we know that he will return and he will right the wrongs of this world and he will establish his kingdom. And whether I live to see that day or if I come back with him on the clouds, I can believe what it says in Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Isn't that true? That means you can have peace always. You know, I'm reconciled to God. I'm at peace with him. My weak heart is made strong in the Savior's love. My citizenship is established in a kingdom that will never end. Some of you might be worrying right now. Maybe you came to church today with something going on in your life and you've been worrying. And maybe God brought you here this morning for no other reason than just to be reminded, do not worry about your life. God is with you. So the gospel of peace gives you stability and the gospel of peace gives you mobility. Write this down if you're taking notes. Proper footwear protects your feet. It gives you traction. It gives you support. And in the Bible, your feet represent where you're going, where you're going. The gospel takes you where you never thought you could go with a message you never thought you would bring. This message says, hey, you're a sinner. And I am too, but God still loves you and he wants to reconcile you to himself through faith in Jesus. This is a powerful message. And we live in a divided and hurting world. And as Christians, we're called to go into this world and bring peace. We wanna see people come together. Says in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Let's flip this around. How many of you would say, I'm a child of God? Show of hands, I'm a child of God. Okay, great. You just got your job description. Your job description is to be a peacemaker. Let me help you understand what peacemakers do. Peacemakers are slow to speak and quick to listen. Help me, Jesus. I need your help with that. In a divided world, peacemakers aren't going around always throwing their opinion at everyone. Because everyone's got an opinion. Peacemakers know how to listen. We don't have to comment on every headline, do we? Because we know that there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story. We know that the division between men stems from our division with God and that we can't truly have peace with other men until we have peace with God. When men have peace with God, then men can have peace with men. CNN and Fox and MSNBC, they're constantly delivering bad news to the world. We get to bring good news. Good news that says, guess what? You can have peace. Aren't you grateful for this peace? The gospel, it is mobile. The gospel goes forth. The gospel does not stand still. It's not meant to be contained inside of a church. 
The church is supposed to be a place where you come and you get equipped and you get fueled up to go out into the world and take the gospel to a place of darkness so that people can see the light and the hope that you have in Jesus. The gospel goes forth in Psalm 119. It says this in verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is great. The word of God, it says, it doesn't just show you where you're at, but it shows you where to go. So we can look at the word of God if we're Christians and we say we follow Jesus. Okay, well then what did Jesus do? He came to seek and save the lost. So if we're going to follow him, we need to follow his lead to seek and save the lost. We know now what we should do. Our shoes of peace, they're not just practical either. They're a fashion statement. Yeah. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, how beautiful On the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. I love this. I love this verse. It talks about beautiful feet coming over the mountains, carrying the good news. Some of you are like, ew, feet. I'm not a foot person. Gross. Feet gross me out. You live in Arizona where like sandals are the national shoe. It's like our state shoe, basically, right? Like. If feet gross you out, you're going to need to get healed of that phobia. Just got to accept it, right? But then but the Bible says that, that feet can be beautiful when they carry the good news. And this is interesting. It says, on the mountain are the feet. On the mountain. Why on the mountain? Well, just like today, mountains divide people. Mountains divide cities. But Christians are messengers who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ across human divides. Jesus bridges the divide between rich and poor, between man and woman, between black and white, between Eastern civilization and Western civilization. Regardless of your language, he's the good news for all people. And we get to carry this message across divides. So I want you to mobilize your faith. I'm not satisfied. The Lord is not satisfied that we would just come to church and enjoy being Christians. We should. We should love coming here, and, but it should fill us up so that we can go out there, right? It should fill us up to do something with our faith, to help others with our faith, to share the good news because we know it needs to be shared. So I want to help you. Here are four ways to mobilize your faith. Four ways to mobilize your faith. First, share. Share with others. Listen, you don't have to have the answer to every question. You don't, know how, you don't have to know how to answer the atheist at your job who asks you gotcha questions. Hey, well, can God make a burrito so big that he can't eat it? You're like, I don't know. I missed that sermon. What verse was that? The Lord can eat any burrito? I don't know, right? You don't need to know all the answers, but you can share your faith. You can tell people what Jesus has done in your life. Just tell them, hey, he's made my life better than it ever was. You can share your faith. Second, you can serve. Serving is important. Um, Serving allows us to function as the hands and feet of Jesus, to practice what we preach, to love people with no selfish ambition. And it's amazing how serving others will help you grow in your walk with God. Oh, it's amazing, right? You don't want to just come to church and eat from the spiritual buffet every week. You need to use some of those spiritual calories and do some work and help some other people, right? We don't want to become spiritually fat and lazy. We need to serve others, right? Here's the third thing. We need to give. 
Yeah, one person said amen to that. That's what I expected, right? We definitely need to grow. Okay, there you go. Now we got some people trying to get in on the game. All right, we need to give and be generous because we know that when we submit our finances to God, we bring our tithes and offerings to him, it allows the rest of our life to fall into the proper order. And you will never be effective for God when your life is out of order. When you put your life in the proper order, when you make tithing a regular part of your life, several things happen. First, you grow in faith and trust for the Lord. Second, God teaches you to become more generous and you'll find yourself generous all of a sudden. You'll be like, man, how did I, how did I get like this, right? I don't even recognize myself. Then another thing God does is he'll start to bless you as he promised he would in the Bible. This is just crazy. He promises to bless us when we're faithful to him and when we obey him. So that's, that's always a bonus. That's amazing. And then another amazing thing happens when it comes to mobilizing our faith is that God takes our tithes and our offerings, which we bring to him, and he uses those resources to build the kingdom of God to reach people who are not here. You do realize, think about this, that you're only here because someone gave before you. First Jesus gave his life and then other believers gave their lives. And then you got to come and be born into a place where people live in freedom and people came before us and they still sacrificed and they gave. And that's why, that's why you know the Lord. So giving is an important part of mobilizing your faith. And then fourth, you wanna invite. I believe that what we have is too good not to share. You can invite people. Invite people to go to lunch with you, to go to coffee with you, form relationships and, and love on them and listen to them. Invite someone to come to your house when you're throwing a party. Invite someone to go to your life group. Invite someone to come to church with you. I mean, it's just too good of a church not to share. Invite, invite. And I gotta tell you, church, you are a beautiful church and you have beautiful feet. You are so good at mobilizing your faith. I mean, I know that some of us, we need to grow in some of those things. And maybe you need to grow in a couple of those things. That's okay. But for the most part, we are a great church when it comes to mobilizing. We share, we serve, we give, and we invite. That's why this year we were once again recognized as one of the 100 fastest growing churches in America. Yeah, that should excite you. That means that people in this church are mobilizing to bring the gospel to those who need it. We get to do some amazing things, right? We take the fight to the enemy. We get to go out into this community, this community here and reclaim lost territory. We get to announce the promise of rescue to the captive I love that as spiritual warriors, which we are for the Lord, we bring in Jesus' name, not destruction, but resurrection. I love that we get to be a part of this mission. In Ephesians six seventeen, it says, also put on salvation as your helmet. And we need this. We need the shoes and we need the helmet. The helmet is important. You need the proper headwear, right? The proper headwear, it protects you. It makes the difference between a headache and a headstone, right? Ask an NFL athlete. His helmet makes the difference between a concussion or a coma. You need the helmet of salvation. Write this down if you're taking notes. The helmet of salvation gives you clarity and durability. You need clarity and you need durability because our enemy, the devil, he's called the liar, the father of lies. So he lies and he accuses he accuses you. So his lies can confuse us and his accusations, they'll hurt us. They'll sting. 
They'll dig at us. I said a couple of weeks ago that, that when we place our faith in Jesus, we get to put on his uniform and we get to wear his armor. And this whole passage that we've been talking about in Ephesians, it's drawn from a prophecy in the book of Isaiah that was written over 500 years before Jesus, the Messiah, would come. You got to think about Jesus as you listen to this passage from Isaiah 59. It says, The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. Does this sound familiar? He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes. He will pay them back even to the ends of the earth. In the West, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the East, they will glorify him, for he will come like a raging flood tide driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins. Man, this sounds so familiar. It sounds like Jesus. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and the lips of your children and your children's children forever ever, all the way 2,500 years from now to Arizona because the Lord has spoken. Because Jesus decided, I'm going to do something. Mankind was overwhelmed by sin and outnumbered by his enemies. But the good news is that your enemies are also God's enemies. So Jesus stood up and he suited up and he said, I'm going to do something about this. I'm not going to leave these people. And the enemy said, "Uh oh, we made him mad. That's not good, right? I love that this is our king. I love that Jesus is our king and he's a warrior and he puts on the body armor of righteousness and the the breastplate. I mean, I I love that Jesus is a warrior. I love, because if you're a guy, especially, maybe you're a girl, you're born with the spirit of a warrior. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You were born with the heart of a warrior. You didn't even know if you could be a Christian because you thought Christians were supposed to be nice and sweet and passive and that's all good. But you need to remember that Jesus is a warrior. And if you have the heart of a warrior, Jesus is your guy. He's your guy. I love it. We put on this helmet of salvation because so much of the battle is in your mind. And we need to think about what's true up here so that we can fight our battle out there. The helmet and, and the shoes, I talked about them today because they go together. The helmet and the shoes go together. I want you to understand that you're saved from your head to your toe. That there is no part of you that God does not love. You are 100% totally and completely redeemed by God through Jesus. This helmet of salvation, it guards your mind, your mind, which is susceptible to the lies of the enemy, right? Because we know Satan is a liar. So you need to recognize these lies, which he he will use on you. He'll say things like, you know, God is so disappointed in you. God, God is so disappointed. Or he'll say, you know, man, you can't really be saved. Do you really think you're saved. You think God is going to let you into heaven? He'll say, you can't tell other people about Jesus. You don't know what to say. They're going to laugh at you, right? Different lies like this. You'll never be good enough. No one cares about you. You're not going to make it. Why don't you just give up now? But the helmet of salvation gives you clarity and durability. Clarity 
to not be confused by the lies of the enemy and durability so that even when he throws his best shot at you, you can keep on going and you can say, no, 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 no. I know the truth. The helmet of salvation guards my mind. God loves me. I am saved. I love Jesus. Sometimes it's good just to tell yourself, I love Jesus. I love Jesus and he is helping me grow. I love him. And you can tell yourself, you know, that, that I know that God is not disappointed in me. He's cheering for me. He's on my side. You could even wake up in the morning and tell yourself, today is gonna be a great day, right? Come on, you don't gotta wake up on Monday morning discouraged and afraid. You get to wake up and say, I believe that today is gonna be a great day because I'm a child of God, because he goes with me, because I'm gonna make a difference in someone else's life. Christians are different and we think different. Even when chaos is going on around us, we can have peace in our hearts because we know the outcome of the battle, don't we? We know that we win. No matter what's going on in our lives today, we win in the end, don't we? Let's give God praise, come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you're a Christian, I have some challenge for you as we close this message up. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I need to grow in stability, in stability. Maybe you're one who, man, you love the Lord, but you would say, my life is honestly not stable. I'm not spiritually stable in my heart. I'm too easily thrown off kilter when storms come my way. I need to get to the eye of the storm. I need to live in a way that, that even when things uh, come up around me and, and life gets crazy, I can still have peace in my heart. Maybe you struggle with worrying. Well, you need stability. God will help you grow in that area. Maybe you would say, I need to grow in mobility. I've been coming to church, I do love God, I do know the truth, but I need to grow in making a difference out in the world. I need to grow in sharing my faith, in serving others, in giving. I need to grow in inviting. I can invite people at least to come and be a part of what's going on in my life. Man, God doesn't want us just to keep it in here, does he? The Holy Spirit inside of you will give you the power and boldness to be a witness for Jesus to this world. You just have to believe that and ask for his help. And then maybe you're here third and maybe you say, well, I need clarity. I need clarity. I've been listening to the lies of the enemy. I've been listening to his accusations and I need to remember what is true. I need to remember that God loves me, that he's with me, that he will not leave me or forsake me. Maybe you just need clarity. Maybe you need to remember what's true. Maybe you came here today just to be reminded that God, he loves you. He loves you. Can we bow our heads together right now? Maybe you hear us talking about this helmet of salvation and about being saved and you're wondering, well, what are you saved from? We know that after this life, our soul, which is eternal, will continue to live on and that there is a heaven and there is a hell and that our sins separate all of us from God and that none of us are perfect, that we were all destined for death and destruction, but that Jesus came and he died on the cross so that our sins could be washed away and that we could be forgiven by God and restored to him. And when we say as Christians that we're saved, then we're saying that God, he saved us from hell, from sin, from destruction. He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from a lifetime of loneliness and hopelessness and trying to fill the void in our lives with substance and sex and more money or power. That's what he saved us from. We're saved. Maybe you're here and you know, I need to be saved. I want, I want that. 
I want to have a relationship with Jesus like you're talking about. If you want to be saved, you can today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here and you wanna take that step of faith today and you wanna know that your eternity is different, that you're gonna be with God forever, that you can be a part of God's family and be blessed like we're talking about, let's do that right now. Let's just, in your own heart, just pray with me and agree with me in your own words. Just say, God, I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross on my behalf so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could be made right with you and so that I could have eternal life. Lord, I believe that Jesus rose again on the third day and he achieved victory on my behalf over sin and death. Lord, thank you for loving me, God. Thank you for carrying me through the chaos of this life. Help me to follow you, Lord, and stand firm for you, Lord. Give me guidance in where to go. Show me how to follow you in your ways. Thank you for being with me, Jesus. I love you. Amen. God loves you. So good. If you prayed that prayer right now and if you meant it in your heart, your entire life will change from this point forward. It doesn't mean that life will always be easy, but it means that you're forgiven, that you can be right with God, that you're now part of God's family, and you don't have to be afraid any longer. You can have peace in your heart because you know that your status with God is as a child of His. You're righteous in His sight. So that's the best decision you could ever make. And if you took that step today, I want to recognize what God has done in your life. We're not going to embarrass you, but I just want you to recognize this. So I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up on the count of three, because I think it's powerful to solidify to yourself what happened inside, right? So if you took that step of faith today, we want to celebrate with you. Shoot your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, there's nothing better than being with him. Three, come on, just shoot your hand up. That's great, sir. I love it. Anyone else? Yes. See that? That's great. Praise God. Come on, church. Let's give praise to God. We got to celebrate when someone puts their faith in Jesus.